This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. is the other one's podcast and my name is adam jabber and i am your host uh we've a great episode for you today great couple of episodes for you today uh first up we have jackie peso um jackie's been on the show before uh and this time we talk about her new project arctic 12 we talk about group dynamics we talk about the free ride world tour um how she was wishing that she would have the baby during that she's very pregnant, um, 38 weeks, 39 weeks, something like that. Um, at this point, she was hoping she would have the baby on air, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, and uh, how much she's looking forward to like just getting out there and doing activities and like, I don't know, just being herself. Um, Jackie's rad. She's one of my favorite people to have on the show. And I hope you guys enjoy it. This is, uh, it's a great episode. It really is a great listen. Um, and I think talking about group dynamics is something that we don't talk about nearly enough and uh jackie does a great job and the film does a great job at kind of aligning where those things need to be at before you go on a trip like that especially when you're out there for a long period of time with people that maybe you're not super familiar with maybe not super comfortable with um i think she does a great job at uh at that we also have Adam Miller on the show. Adam Miller is the owner of Revel Bikes. Revel Bikes is a mountain bike brand that also makes gravel bikes. And we talked about their new release, which is dropping tomorrow. So we kind of got the got the jump a little bit on a new long travel 29er um, from Revel, which is so rad. I can't wait to ride one. It's going to be insane. Um, so yeah, that's a great one. Adam's always like, <clears throat> Super sorry. I'm like I'm dying. We're at ski test um, right now in in Sun Valley, and I am just getting my shit kicked in. <laughs> um, so I feel like a pile. I would need to like make sure I look at a vegetable or a water this week. Um, but yeah, Adam Adam Miller is great. He's uh, he's one of the most transparent guys I know in the industry, and he really just loves riding bikes, and he really just loves the company that he's built and how can't you like the way he's designed it the way the culture in that shop and in that in that factory is just is just insane so um cool things coming down the line from them uh especially in the immediate future um and then further down the line as well um before we jump into the episode obviously we have sponsors um there's a couple few things i wanted to mention too a lot of people have asked me about what happened at black mountain uh last weekend basically what happened is the guy the owner um just kicked everybody out. It was like, he was not, I'm not sure exactly what prompted him to kick everybody out, but he basically was like, I guess he had an argument with somebody in the lodge, um, and decided it was part of the crew from, uh, the backcountry film for the backcountry Mount Washington backcountry event. Um, and he just basically booted everybody. Um, and it was like 30 minutes, get all your shit, get everything taken down and, uh, or else I'm calling the cops. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a venue empty out like that. I mean, there was tons. Like, I've never seen that parking lot more full for an event. Um, like, how does that not... That brings so much benefit to the mountain. It brings so many new eyeballs to it. It brings so much awareness to it. And I I just don't understand. 
Um, it was completely unprofessional. It was uh, it, it was insane, especially to do it to somebody like Andrew, who has built a lot of the culture that exists at Black Mountain in New Hampshire. Um, it was insane to me. So Ski the Whites has decided to not do any more events there. Um, I think that's uh, I think they're I don't think Ski the Whites is happy with that decision, but I also don't think Andrew is gonna deal with how nuts this dude is anymore and i'm just speculating so who knows um yeah that's really all i'll say on that i think it was completely unprofessional i think the guy is off his rocker and that's all the power to him i guess but i can't imagine it helps business by kicking everybody out especially when you got a bunch of paying customers like sitting at your bar like out there like having a good time for an event like it kind of just felt like he was like oh people are having fun this seems like a bad bad thing like we don't want this this is not what black mountain is about um that being said mount washington backcountry fest uh i hope i'm saying that right was a blast um the whole weekend was great and i it couldn't have been put together any better um with the exception of that small hiccup um Anyway, we have, sp- we have sponsors. Uh, first sponsor for the day is Darn Tough Socks. Darn Tough is made in Vermont. Obviously, uh, these are the, all the socks I run. I mean, they last you forever. We just gave away uh, 20 pairs of free socks on the social media, um, on the Instagram, if you will. Uh, and it was it a was blast. Um, it's like anything to do with that company. Like I, They just have such a good culture and community around them, regardless of the socks that they make. Now, about socks that they make, they're the best. Like, they're point blank the best socks that you can buy, um, and they're straight out of Vermont. So, check them out, darntuff.com. Take a look-see. Find yourself some new socks. Um, We also have a sponsor in Burn Helmets. Burn Helmets has been a sponsor for a little while now. Um, This is pretty much their last ad read with us, um, but I just wanted to say thank you to them. They've been amazing. And uh, we are giving away a carbon, um, I forget which what model it is, but we're giving away a carbon burn helmet basically on Friday. Um, the real Gucci one. It's beautiful. We're giving it away on the Instagram, and I, uh, I hope you'll check that out on Friday. Um, you can also buy a burn helmet. Um, and I can tell you from wearing the helmet that I'm wearing this week, um, for the ski test, that burn helmet fits so well. Like that's, it, it fits so much better than a lot of the other helmets out there. It's simple. It's exactly what it needs to be and nothing more. Um, so I hope you guys will check out burnhelmets.com and use promo code out of bounds, all lowercase. Um, and you can save yourself 15% on a new helmet. So it sounds pretty good to me. Uh, get it, get it while you can. Uh, so without further ado, here is our episode with Jackie Peso and then Adam Miller. Jackie, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself. You've been on the show before, but just kind of give people a short synopsis into who you are. Yeah. So hello, everyone. I'm Jackie Peso. I'm a big mountain skier. Grew up in New England, Sunday River area. Moved out west to Tahoe, Squaw Valley, or sorry, Palisades um, for a bit. And the last, I don't know, 10 or so years I've been living in Sweden and 
yeah, just recently retired from the free ride world tour a year or so ago. And I'm not quite sure what life is going to look like in the, <laughs> in the next week, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you are 37 weeks pregnant. Is that right? No, I'm 39. 39 weeks pregnant. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Well, I appreciate you doing the interview. Uh, as I said before, um, as you said, you're bored. So I guess it's like, it's kind of a little bit of like, a, we're like shaking hands on this one. So um, what can I ask you? Let's start off with this. Because uh, I tweeted out the other day, like, I, I really like the Freeride World Tour. I, I'm a big fan. I like watching it. But I think it's hard to watch for a lot of viewers. And it hasn't grasped people in a lot of ways that it probably could like, think about events like natural selection and the way it's filmed and that gets brought up constantly. How, is there, do you have something in your head that you wish was done better when you were competing? And is, do you have something in your head that you think that they can do better to kind of engage with that regular fan base a little better? Um, that's a good question. I mean, my first, I guess, issue because we've we've always spoke as athletes like the some of the drone shots and everything is really cool but I think it's more important to know where you are in the venue for something like the a free ride world tour event than having like always these aerial shots yeah um so people get like a better grasp of what's actually happening and where the athlete is in the venue uh, okay. so that's something that we've like said multiple times um but I don't know. That's just like, as a competitor, it feels like it makes most sense if you're trying to follow like the scoring and everything to really know where the athlete is, as opposed to just like, okay, there's a cliff, but is there exposure down below that or to the left or the right? Um, or is it a big wide open field, which you can't always get. Um, you don't always see that from the kind of aerial exposure. Uh, and then I think something the tours feels like it's been struggling with. And part of it is due to like just bad snow conditions over the years at some of the venues that, um, I want to see the venues kind of go back to like it was back in the days, uh, bigger, a uh, bit more challenging. Um, they've unfortunately been stuck on like a lot of junior venues because conditions haven't, haven't allowed to get on the original venues they were hoping for. Okay. Uh, and I think that um, kind of hurts the sport a little bit because it's not natural selection. Like it's, right, right. it's not supposed to be backcountry freestyle, but it's kind of heading in that direction. But it's like, it's somewhere in between it's lost like the yeah. full on big mountain um, free ride with the smaller venues, but it's not quite, you know, they're not building jumps and, right yeah. so it's it's like somewhere in the middle and i think it would be nice and i think a lot of the athletes feel that way too that it should kind of go back like to a bit of the original roots and yeah you can have the progression of tricks and stuff like in there but uh keep it more free ride instead of backcountry freestyle but on this lower quality level than like the selections yeah <clears throat> i also think one of the biggest issues is like is timing and like when the stuff is available and like the watchability of it when it's live um and that's just being in europe i think and being in other destinations you know as opposed to being in the u.s 
I think for us here, it's like I, I'll watch it, but I end up watching the YouTube feed like two days later, you know, like, yeah. and it's when you watch a sporting event, which is almost what this is, and it's how I end up looking at it. I don't know. Like, I, I don't go back and watch a basketball game again after I know who wins. Right. Like it's so I think that's one of the things that's a that's a struggle in my head is like the programming aspect of it. It's like, how do you find what the best time is for the market that wants that you guys want to address, right? And I think U.S. market is really important. North American market is really important for the tour. But I don't know how much they actually acknowledge that or how much they care about it. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a bit limited. I mean, they, yeah, they only have the one North American event. And right. then the rest of the events are focused in in Europe these days. You know, have the Japan event. I don't remember exactly how that timing worked in north america not great not great either um so it's kind of like it was kind of like watching the olympics this year like like either you don't check your check the news or social media um for fear of like the spoil or or, um yeah or you you do and you just watch knowing like who's gotten first second or third or at least like two of the podiums because me, I'll look at US media, be like, oh, these these US athletes are in here and and then open Swedish news and it's like, oh, these Swedish athletes are like, oh, okay, well, that's spoiled. Um, so I <laughs> I think especially nowadays where it's hard to avoid who's won, yeah, <laughs> who's ended up on the podium, which kills, yeah. It's like, yeah, you might be interested, especially if you've heard it's a really good run. You might be interested, like, oh, I want to see that run, but you don't necessarily watch the whole competition then yeah um so i think i don't really know what the numbers are you know north american versus european market and which one is bigger um but it's uh yeah i mean i think that's a tricky a tricky one because you can't really have a event at what so at time, I mean, you're on the East Coast too, so it's not even that bad for you. If yeah. We're talking like uh, starting an event at 4 p.m. for right. for those people on the West Coast for it to for it to really work. And and I mean, I suppose for like up in northern Sweden in May, you could do that. Right. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. It gets a little bit tricky. How how did you feel about? Yeah, I guess, and and on before we even move on, uh, my only worry is that I think they're leaning into like the crash reel and like the hot highlight thing, and I don't know that kind of takes away from the actual product itself, right? And it feeds into the machine that is like the TikToks of the world and the reels of the world, and the like. There's no reason to watch the live event, right? Because you're just going to see the carnage like a few days later, right? And that's like yeah. not. I don't know. To me, that's not viable promotion, but I don't know. What What do I know? I mean, uh, I I get it. I, I I agree with you. I think it makes it makes sense. And a lot of it is about clickbait. Yeah. Um, what the general public thinks. I'm not really I'm not really sure. Maybe yeah. we're both wrong. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're both wrong and everybody just I mean, and everybody does like it crash real. Like that that has yeah. been known since the beginning of time, and that's fine. But if that's like one of the if that's the only thing hitting in the promotion, that means something in the promotion is wrong. Yeah. And it probably doesn't. I think like they, it comes out so fast 
right like that stuff comes out so fast like the the you know peak performance moment or all these things that they come out maybe 24 hours if even maybe even yeah. quicker um and then you're like yeah all you can do is just go click through all that they're like oh here's the competition highlights great here's yeah so yeah i do get what you're saying and i i guess i i also like my biggest quarrel is the the way that they promote athletes like i think they do a shit job promoting the individual athlete right I, and i really i felt like this since for a while like because i feel like they promote the tour and the tour stops and the company mm -hmm. but like people don't know the athletes on the tour nearly as well as they should because the tour doesn't promote them in a way that's like highlighting this person versus that person like i mean we're talking things like athlete profiles and like uh, videos dedicated to like what their season looks like. And you just, I just feel like you don't see that enough from the whole field. So I don't know. yeah, it's definitely like focused around athletes that have sponsors of the event. Right. And I mean, and then it, they kind of like saturate the whole thing. So you're like, you know what the, you know, the peak performance athletes are doing or, uh, whatever. I, I'm not sure what the sponsors are at the moment. Dean Star, I guess, Rain is maybe one of those athletes that gets some promotion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he's good. Like he's like he's, he's fine. Like use him as promotion. Like yeah. I'm fine with that. Like I I don't mean it in like that way, but I guess it's just. But your field. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, there's like tons of North American athletes, for example, that don't right. get a lot of exposure, and I think that's a. Uh, and I don't know if that's because the North American market is not as big. So they're like, oh, why focus on it? Or maybe. if they're hurting themselves and like, you know, maybe they should make an effort to show more of what the North American athletes are doing in order to like up the interest. Because yeah. um, I, I think that's, I mean, it's not just North American athletes. There's other European athletes um, that need more promotion i mean everyone kind of should have sure. uh, at least and of course yeah if you're doing well and you're up on the podium you you end up with more but um it would be more interesting it's just tough nowadays i mean the cut the cut is already done too so I mean, yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's like you know if you didn't get promoted and you're cut like well that was maybe your three three stops on the free red world tour for some athletes yeah, yeah after that, how yeah. many years of trying to qualify yeah there's a lot of reworking that can be i i don't know this is not a free ride world tour shit session so i i i apologize that it started this way anyway because like i said i am a big fan i think it's great i think the product is really good but there's a lot of things that i think need to be tweaked or else like it, it's going to get surpassed by you know other events that are more engaging for people right and maybe the the solution is killing it to four stops or something you know like and then making it like simpler and making it easier to i don't know and i i guess that's a conversation i'd yeah. like to have with somebody there um who has like more of an actual like opinion of the logistics of this and why they do it i mean i think they're trying i think that's why they have the new format like they are yeah, right. trying to find ways um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the qualifying, like the new, like super qualifiers, like, so the athletes that didn't qualify, they go into this competition. I, 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 
I'm kind of paying attention, but that's because Raina is <laughs> so into it. So it's hard to not. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, it'll be interesting. I think it's, I think it's not for lack of effort. It's just, it's like trying to find whatever it is. And sometimes you're going to, it's going to be a miss and sometimes it's going to be, but I, I just feel for me as an athlete, a former athlete in the tour, I feel for those athletes that like, got cut after three events um yeah that's that's hard because it feels like sometimes it takes especially your first year it takes oh an event or two to kind of like really get into it and then you meet all these people and you might never see them again yeah so for sure um while we're on the competitive topic, I guess like Olympics are pretty much wrapped up here. What did you watch? Do you care about the Olympics? Is that something that engages you at all? Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched, I felt like it was, I don't know, kind of a boring Olympics compared. And maybe it's because it's the same issue where I'd wake up and I'd see like who had podiums um before even watching it so that kind of kills it Raina got really pissed at me one day because I kind of spoiled it um so we've had some internal fights in the family (laughs) I'm not good at keeping my mouth shut so I've worked really hard in like the last events um especially if that means there's like a Swede on the podium I need to keep my mouth shut yeah <laughs> um or apparently a, a swede that doesn't get on the podium i still need to keep my mouth shut <laughs> so his hopes don't get crushed too soon um but i, I don't know we, we Brandon and i have been talking about it we feel like old people we're like more interested in the cross-country skiing and oh alpine racing uh like the slope style when there's you know somebody that we know in it that's kind of interesting but at the same time like and the same with Big Air, we we knew a couple people in it, but I'm just like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's fun. Lots of spins and shit. Yeah, <laughs> like I have like a better grasp than the general public, but I still, yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched mogul skiing for like the first time in a long time, and that was fun because a a kid from the kid that lives here won, finally yeah. beat the Canadian. Uh, <laughs> so. i did not i will tell you i did not watch the mogul event at all like i had no it, i couldn't bring myself to do it i did watch some of the cross-country stuff i uh i watched slope style i watched big air um and i watched half pipe and it was like it, honestly like the commentary made it for me it was like if tom wasn't on the mic i didn't like i was like this is not me tom or todd richards like on the snowboard side like like, those guys aren't on the mic i'd like had a hard i would mute it basically i wonder maybe i should go back and try that because i watched the swedish commentary tom is so good like it is like it changed everything for me like because i seriously was watching it muted versus (laughs) tom do it because he's like explaining like he's talking it through and he's like actually talking with someone He's talking like someone who's been there, which obviously, yeah, you know, he's come yeah. off. So, um, but like cohesively and thoughtfully, and I, I was just very impressed with with how he handled that spotlight. It was just, and I think like there's been tons of articles written about how good of a job he did, and I, I don't think you ever really get that from commentary, especially in your first Olympics. So, um, yeah. yeah, I would, I would suggest maybe watching some of them with with uh, 
with Tommy Walnuts on, but um, <laughs> but who knows? I'll see um, if I can find it. <laughs> yeah, if you can find it. Um, anyway, the main reason that we're here um, is to talk about our 12. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the project. Tell me about what it was like. Tell me the whole deal. Because the last time we talked, you were basically like prefacing that you were going into this like big film project. Yeah. Um, and this was it. So tell me... <laughs> Tell me what it was, tell tell listeners what it was, and kind of give people the the overarching idea. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember when we spoke last, I might have still been banking on Alaska. Maybe. You were just like uh, yeah. hinting at a big, you were like, we're doing a big project, like, this is what my hope is to do. Because we yeah. talked in, not last year, the year before, maybe? No, I think it was. Was it early last some- year? But like December or January last season. It was whenever you were here in New Hampshire. You were in New Hampshire. Yeah. And we skied. And that was like. So it was like late December, early January. Okay. So yeah. Maybe yeah. you were begging on Alaska. I don't know. But either way, you were hinting at a big yeah. project. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So originally the plan was Alaska. Uh, yeah. And with the pandemic and actually like the first like killer was um permitting because it's oh, really? yeah permitting like we originally got rejected and there's since been some changes but they still don't really know how that looks so I, I kind of was given like the orange light so i could i could get you know this whole crew over there but the park service themselves couldn't give me a straight answer um on how it was going to look and the the rulings were only specific to film and not photo. So technically we would still be rejected for like still photo. Oh, it's like such a mess. Um, and, the, and then it's like with the pandemic, we would have, you know, two of the teammates either would have had to get married or one of them would have to spend like two weeks in Mexico beforehand to like be able to get into the country. So it, it was just turning into a logistical nightmare um, Hang on. Somebody had to get married to get into the- what? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's like because the, the the other the other couple, yeah. Um, they he's French, but she's American. Uh, um, so I think at the time, like he couldn't have entered the U.S. back then with COVID or like. Oh, okay. Whatever. Um, so okay. it was like without spending maybe two weeks in Mexico, or they could get married. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and you know they're a couple for a few years uh so we we decided that wasn't probably the best reasons for getting married yeah. and not the best timing to spend two weeks in mexico even though it could be nice uh so we we thought about france um but they also had pretty strict uh, pand- rules with the pandemic and i came up with this idea to do this traverse in sweden um and it was like i discovered that there are 12 peaks in sweden over 2000 meters uh and all of them lie just north of the arctic circle so it's like actually in all of scandinavia the only 2000 meter peaks are in um are in sweden all of the big peaks in norway are further south okay uh and well, yeah, so originally there were only 11, but back in 2016, they had done a re, 
a, a new land survey and discovered that there was a 12th. And so because of that, I was pretty sure that nobody, like as far as I could tell, nobody had done, had linked them all together um, in winter conditions before. So I was like, well, okay, that's like, it's a challenge. It's a four, it turned into like a 415 kilometer journey. Uh, and I, that was kind of like similar to what the Alaska it was actually longer than the Alaska adventure, but the Alaska adventure would have been different for challenging for other reasons. Um, but it was like the similar scale of a, a challenge. Um, so we aim for that, change the team a little bit, which, which was unfortunate. Like the part of the Alaskan team was in the U S like based out of Jackson is one of our, one of my friends that had the idea for the Alaskan plan. Um, so it, it didn't make sense to bring them over. And I swapped them out for Raina, who was finishing up with Verbier, like just a couple days before we were supposed to depart. Um, so he, he got to come along last minute, um, which, which was pretty interesting because he's like normally likes his chairlift or, yeah. you know, a helicopter when possible. He's, he's not trying to <laughs> be like a schemo guy or anything like that. Um, but he agreed, he agreed, Alaska, he had no interest. This one, he's like, I think because it was Sweden. And he had never really spent a lot of time in these areas. Yeah. He was like, okay, all right, I'll give this a try. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, So talk to me a little bit about what, how it went, I guess. I mean, I've watched the film now twice and I guess it's (laughs) talk to me and tell people, I guess how it went and kind of give us the rundown on that. Okay. So I'm going to preface it by my original idea is why why i thought that um what i thought was going to happen is basically we had two couples and then our filmer slash photographer that were going to go on this trip and one couple they're mountain guides ifmj mountain guides that are based out of the grave france and then rain and myself with our big mountain background uh my idea was that we would make like really compliment each other because they have a way more of like a climbing background and then we have the skiing background of the knowledge of Swedish mountains um them a bit more like expedition knowledge and stuff like that so the idea is like okay we'll we'll work together well as a team and um everyone's strengths will get to play out at some point uh I was wrong, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, there's no, eh, there's no better way of, <laughs> of putting it. Um, it totally backfired. Uh, I think both, uh, you know, it's almost, it's almost like both teams. Cause it, in the end it was like, you had two, two different teams yeah. um, that finished, uh, had very, very different ideas of how to go about in the mountains. Um, and I think <sighs> oh, I mean, <laughs> they, 
Don't mince words. <laughs> say it. Say whatever. <laughs> I guess it's for Rain and myself and, and the photographer filmer who who he really was like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to like he he was thinking about like we'd stop for an hour and have lunch during the day. And it would be like, <laughs> it would be like a walk in the park. Uh, meanwhile, like I knew it was going to be hard and I knew that there were going to be days that were going to be difficult, but I also like, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not an endurance athlete. I'm not interested in like how quickly we do this. I'm just interested in like the whole, like everything, the whole mission. Yeah. Doing it. And, and yeah, I see the importance of like knocking out so many miles or kilometers per day, but we have when we started we had 16 hours of daylight and i think when we finished we had 20 plus hours of daylight so like there was no rush <laughs> there didn't need to be a rush like we could just milk it um or at least add another hour or two the other group the the mountain guides they were like it was a bit more like military Mission. Trying to sprint. Yeah. It was like 50 minutes on, 10 minutes off, 50 minutes on, 10 minutes off the entire time. And if you didn't follow to that, um, there was frustration. And I mean, if they broke off of it, it was <laughs> entirely <laughs> was okay. Um, but I mean, it just, it just made it really difficult because we had like Martin, he was trying to film and everything. And yeah. it's just like you can't adhere to a schedule like that if you're trying to make a production out of this whole event. Um, and, right. you know, there were times when it made sense to move fast. And 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 it's not like, yeah, I had a – I had – I went into the, like – I was already incredibly stressed before we even got on the, before we even left the trailhead because I could sense the the tension um, from the guides who they weren't hired okay. as guides. They were on the trip because they're Scott athletes slash guides. So they weren't hired to be there as guides. Like everyone had equal, um, there was no like designated leader. Um, but that or at least there wasn't supposed to be a designated leader um but this was your project that you pitched right like this was what mm-hmm. you put together okay yeah so this is this is my i brought in basically all of the funding and uh majority of the support and everything this is my baby that i've been working on for the last couple of years and so with it i brought on i think a lot of the the stress like because I was just so worried about everyone getting along and working and finishing um, and also creating something. Uh, so it was a, it was a tough, it was not quite the experience that I was hoping for. Um, and <laughs> it, people it, should, people should go watch it too. Like, and not just listen to us talk about it for sure, but Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like we we realized that the story of the trip was, of course, like, you know, the area we went to and everything, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It was really cool to discover. 
Um, but we realized that the story was showing that um, when you're out on these longer expeditions, uh, not everything goes perfectly. And we didn't really sugarcoat it. I mean, it's hard to tell the whole story, even though it's quite, it, it's a fairly long movie. It's still hard to tell the whole story. Um, but we wanted to be pretty honest about what happened out there. And it was the, the human dynamics where, where we struggled. Um, and it's something like I anticipated that we would have, have some, some issues over, you know, 20 plus days, you have issues, people get annoying. Um, things yeah, happen. I mean, that's pretty normal. Like, yeah. I mean, people, I, you get annoyed with anybody after spending 20 days. Like, I, I don't know. I spent five days with like some of my best friends and I'm like, <laughs> I want to fucking kill you at the end. Like at the end of this, I can't yeah, imagine when exactly. you are, when you feel tension on day one, how that goes. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's tension during packing. <laughs> during packing? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Not everyone was aware of it, but I was. Yeah, I don't think, well, yeah, and that's, I forget, what's what's the guy's name? The guy, I'm blanking. Benj. Yeah, he, and then at the end of the film, he's like, I am somewhere on the, like, autism scale. Yeah. I don't know how to like feel other people's emotions and i was like okay yeah that would have been cool to like put in the beginning because the whole time it's blatantly clear that he does not understand how he's affecting anybody else well it would have been cool if you told us uh before the interview which happened like three months after too he didn't tell you guys that at all like he wasn't like my social skills aren't the, like he didn't say that he had mentioned like briefly but just to me uh and his his girlfriend that obviously knew like yeah like kind of on the spectrum but didn't go like he just stopped at that he didn't go into any detail and i was like okay and i had like picked up on some some like small things when we were when i was down in the grave visiting um but he mentioned nothing about like having autism or or anything like that and he didn't mention it to the rest of the guys we didn't like the production team found out during that interview, which was, I think, yeah, three months after it happened. So for me, I feel like that would have been, I, I don't think it would have, <laughs> I don't stressed. think it would have changed right much, but we like maybe would have been like, okay, so what does that mean? And then we would have known like, okay, you have to be the leader no matter what, like, <laughs> uh like we we would have at least had like a little bit of a heads up but he he didn't really communicate that to to the group yeah so yeah so that uh uh it was it was it was unfortunate i don't think i don't think i think it still would have been tough if we had known just because of how right, right. how his um yeah how his being on the spectrum is uh comes across or how it manifests but just the rust the rush like the need to be in a rush and to push it for no reason yeah reason right like if he has a reason cool but like that's not the reason and, and one of the things that you said that resonated with me was like okay they know what they were hired for they were hired to be in a film right they weren't they, that's what they were here for so like yeah. i don't know what the plan you and you were blatant about like i don't know what they're doing because this is what they hired like they were hired to be in a movie 
when you're hired to be in a movie, it's not a race to see who can ski with sleds the fastest. Yeah. You know? Or they're they're asked. No, no technically the only one that was hired was the, the film guy. Or asked. So yeah, asked. I guess that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But still, like that's but, that's how it's presented to them. Yeah. Like we're gonna do a movie, you know, where it's gonna have we're gonna have extra equipment, we're gonna have time when we have to stop, we're gonna have to, you know, like the poor poor Martin, our our filmer, <laughs> he you know, he wasn't the fastest guy, but he, he didn't complain at all not once um he uh he would like go and film something maybe when we were taking a break you like stay back and try and film something but i mean he still hadn't taken his break technically because he had out had the camera out and everything and <laughs> they would just take off <laughs> before he'd even have a chance to eat and granted he liked to eat quite a bit but the poor guy would be like, you know, trying to shove food in his mouth and either like someone would be like tapping their foot like impatiently or would just just pull out, like just take off. Um, so <laughs> here's Billy. So, really? yeah, um, it's a bit like the production team, like they were trying to figure out like Martin and the other guy who stayed back and helped with the communication while we we're out on the trail he's like i've been trying to figure out like what the need for the speed was and i like still have never really figured it out uh, yeah and yeah i i don't know i, I was stressed <laughs> the whole time <laughs> like the whole time every every stop point when you guys are like talking especially that one when you guys are like in that kind of like open area and you guys are yeah arguing about like and you're like i'm sorry that i'm not the fat and like <laughs> i'm just like why are you about in my head i'm like why are you apologizing <laughs> like what what reason do you have for apologizing <laughs> it's your shit you did it like this is you your idea your pitch you got the sponsors for it if i was you in that position i would have just been like like get like I, and i i know that's me projecting but i'm just saying as a viewer that yeah. is how i <laughs> not necessarily how you felt i mean i had i, I was frustrated because uh, yeah we we went past him that <laughs> that's what <laughs> happened we were going we we're going too fast because we had we took uh we had these little like nordic touring skis so like a lighter yeah. like a cross-country ski but with edges right. and fish scales on the bottom so you could either have long skins or a short skin or you could take the skins off altogether. And so Raina had discovered with the snow conditions we had that day that you could take the skins off altogether and just use the fin fish scales on the bottom. And you were moved so fast without effort. Like it was, yeah. e it was the, the, the easiest day or could have been the easiest day um, because it was so efficient. But for whatever reason, that just pissed him off um and the and we had stopped because the filmer doesn't have those skin he didn't have the fish scales on the bottom so we had yeah. to stick with this uh with the short skin so we we're like all right well let's make it's one thing to make it easy for us but like let's take some extra weight from you make your load easier so everyone has a better day um yeah i don't know i i was just i was so worried about producing something 
that I like that was that was the only time I really spoke up mm. during that uh, during that thing, and that was like basically as harsh as it got. Raina, towards the end, <laughs> we started getting in small fights because Raina was getting really pissed off and was like, I was just like, do not poke the bear. Like, let's just, let's just, let's just get there. We, we're almost there. We're almost done. I, I was going to um, ask this question, like how he felt about this whole situation. And that's like, uh, cause I can't imagine like being with a partner and you're like, and your partner is the one that produced the thing, like, and it's not going away. Like I would be, beside myself i think you know yeah i mean he was especially especially towards the end when it just didn't it didn't stop um because i would like i'd make a suggestion and just no and then of course the (laughs) next day we ended up we ended up doing my suggestion um (laughs) but there was there was never like oh yeah you're right we could we could summit that mountain and head towards that cabin, and yeah okay we could go out in one day it wasn't gonna take three days. Uh, so, and then like there were just like some things like mountain etiquette like that was really <laughs> bothering Raina because we stayed in some cabins towards the end, and there's just certain things that you do and don't do in the cabins and they're. Uh, one of the team members especially wasn't as privy to that and oh excuse me I think I just burped sorry (laughs) Um, wasn't uh, wasn't really like listening to Reina and like what okay this is like Swedish etiquette this is what you do and this is what you don't do and (laughs) Reina was getting so pissed um there was, you know, there was a lot of conversations in Swedish and French. I love that. And I actually really, a little bit in I, English. I really love that. And I actually, I, one of the things that I was most impressed by is that, like, you guys are very honest about how it went together, right? Like, in the production, it's not like you guys are, you're not mincing words. You're not like, oh, it actually went really well and everything was really, like, we were all really happy. And this, uh, like, it ends, basically, with you being like, I wish I took something better home from this. Like, this was not, I wish I had a better feeling at the end of this. And I and I just didn't get that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's like, you, we had moments like there there were like and you like the moments where we were getting along and like kind of happy together like those were genuine they weren't forced I mean that's right we weren't acting or anything um so there were some good times um but there was yeah there was a lot of a lot of emotions and a lot of stress and tension and just very different I guess like just different approaches very different approaches as to how to go about something like that and I don't know if it's because like Van for example comes from a more alpine climbing background if, if that's like but maybe some climbers can can answer <laughs> and say if that's if it's different or not um and 
he's a he's amazing like it you know he is an amazing climber very skilled in that and so it was to our advantage to have somebody with those skills but this it would have been nice to have a little bit more respect uh, for the skiers I think um because we had like Brandon and I for sure were way more experienced when it came to the skiing and way more aware of like what is possible and what's not and I think that also like we we had some limitations because the rest of the group didn't have the same ability so we couldn't some of the things that maybe could have been skied uh, weren't because it wasn't mm-hmm. possible with the group hmm. yeah that's uh it's interesting so I guess my my next question is how did you feel while promoting um this right because you kind of have to like toe this line where you're like oh we did this project it's really cool go watch it and you also have to like not make it just about the drama aspect of it and like and honestly i don't think you made it about the drama at all in the in the initial promotion before it came out um which i i I don't know how I guess I kind of feel like mixed about like I, I almost wish that it was like yeah I wish it like opened with the argument like I wish the trailer was like you guys arguing and then like <laughs> but anyway that's clickbaity we already said yeah that. not usually my favorite thing but I how did you feel promoting it like how did you feel when the finished product was going to go out into the world and people started watching it and you guys are like pushing this thing as a group that you all know how you feel about uh i was i was pretty nervous um i was incredibly nervous because it's hard because it's like unfortunately like you know the five of us didn't like come out being the best of friends um and like i haven't spoken to benj uh aaron who i was friends with prior like there's definitely a strain because it's you know it's like it's her partner uh who you know had some struggles with and everything and not so much with her but of course she's you know she's if there's any taking sides she's on his side and vice versa um so it was hard to like promote something where everyone (laughs) everyone is kind of putting like we're all kind of put ourselves out there um in vulnerable positions some more so than others. Uh, and I mean, I didn't have uh, one of the production guys wanted to actually make it more <laughs> dramatic than it was, uh, be- or make not more dramatic than it was, but show thing. more yeah. of the yeah. drama. Um, and I, I, I had some discussions with the the rest of the team or like with Aaron, for example, trying to explain, like I, I haven't really had that much say as to what goes in and what goes out. I've just tried to soften it a little bit when possible. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, there's a lot in there where I'm pretty vulnerable and don't look super strong and, and I'm putting myself out there. So uh, obviously it's not like I, you know, I put myself out there to look like the, the strongest person ever and just totally killed it on the expedition. Like I show 
my weaknesses and my mistakes. Uh, mm. But be, it like, because everything is a bit strained right now, it was hard to communicate that amongst the group. So it was hard as a group to kind of like really push it passionately because we have all so many mixed feelings, so many different mixed feelings about it. And um, it's, uh, it, it's even harder to be at like the showings uh, and watch it with the crowds for me. I've had to walk out a couple of times during oh. that, that scene, <laughs> uh, that one particular scene uh, in the open area, just because it, I think for me, it kind of, I start like reliving what it was like to be in that experience again. And while it wasn't all bad and I, I would, you know, I, um, I honestly would do that again or something like it again, um, probably with a different team, but I would, you know, like the actual expedition itself, like was enjoyable um it's just like if you could cut out the human dynamics so yeah it was um it's been kind of tricky because it brings up a lot of it brings up a lot of emotions trying to to promote it and and people have their opinions you know like you read the comments and people Mm -hmm. have their opinions and not everyone is gonna be on my side or another person's side like uh everyone has a different take on on what happened and what didn't happen and also how the story was portrayed um that's that's the one thing that we try to say that it's not like i was sitting there in the editing room i didn't see uh the final product until pretty much it was done yeah and i don't think i was just gonna say if it was me in that position i would have fucked everybody else up like i would have i would have made i would have made everybody else look like like i would not you were vulnerable you showed a side weird cat in my window um (laughs) i would have showed very minimal uh, of the things that i did wrong especially if i felt like the dynamic was not my problem and not my fault and it was my project like i would i don't know i would have put it in a way much less kind to everybody else than you were like so i think and and again like you weren't in the editing room but like you had some say in the way that it was portrayed and you didn't want to make it like a big drama piece so like i i appreciate that i think you did a great job at at navigating that because it's group dynamics in the mountains are something that like should be talked about and it's the it's one of the most important things when you go out with a group of people even if it's for a day like everybody knows the feeling of like going out with someone for us for even a chairlift day where you're like, okay, this person is just putting out a bad vibe. Like, you know, or like the, the vibe is not there today. And, and like, how do you handle that situation? That I thought you guys did a phenomenal job portraying that in, in a pretty unbiased way. Right. Because you're like, okay, look, I'm sorry. Like, this is not my strong suit my bad right like and i again i i don't think you needed to apologize and from my perspective i would i would have been especially in reina's situation i would have been like what the fuck are you like what what but i i guess i'm just i wonder how it made you feel 
in the moment. And I told you, like, we talk a little bit about like the mental aspect of it and like at where your head was at in the moment as somebody who has struggled with depression and with mental health in the past, like, is that something that you think about while you're going through these moments still, or have you like figured out the toolkit to kind of use to get through those situations? Yeah. So I, I think, um, I, I didn't have, I, I wasn't depressed. Like everyone, everyone, rain included, they were, they're all trying to get me to listen to music and stuff. Cause that's what a lot of people would do. Cause it was long days. Um, but I mean, my whole thing when I go out in the back country, uh, especially like it's to kind of unplug. So yeah. I had no music on my phone. <laughs> they kept giving me shit about that. They're like, Oh, you need to like, I didn't bring headphones or anything. Uh, so I was a lot in my thoughts, um, which is, you know, not always that much fun, but especially when you're in a stressful situation. Um, but I, I wasn't depressed. I was just, I was really stressed. I had a lot of um, worry about the success of the project and everything. Like, yeah, you know, during, um, and, and sense, I guess sensitive too, as I, in, in the beginning, I was so worried about Aaron and Benj because I saw that they were frustrated with things and I felt like this is my fault because this is the team that I put together. Um, and the other guys like, yeah, this was Raina's first expedition. Um, Martin maybe wasn't like the hardcore filmer guy that they were hoping for that was going to sprint circles around everyone. Um, so I, I, I was like really worried about them being happy. And then it just got to a point where I was realizing like, okay, well, Martin, poor Martin is kind of getting screwed here. We're here. We're in it. Like there's no point in having the same argument or like issue day after day, because it's not going to change. No one's going to like, yeah, we actually got faster over the course of the time, but um, you only get so much faster and you just got to at some point just shut up and be like, this is how it is and move forward. But we never got there. So I was just really worried then like what Martin was thinking or what Raina and just very sensitive. Um, that was my biggest thing. I wasn't depressed. I was just very sensitive to what everyone was feeling and putting out there. Um, and that's what made it hard for me to, uh, to like enjoy the moments that were good because there is always just something, something else coming up. Um, it's hard too. Like, it's not like that stuff doesn't go away. You can put on a smiley face and be like, like I'm happy to be here, but I don't think that fixes no. where you're at as a whole. It doesn't take you out of that headspace. It's just kind of like it's literally just putting on a happy face so that you can try to be the source of positive energy. And it's almost more frustrating when you try to do that and it doesn't work. Right. Like and, and things don't change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I try to 
I remember one day um, I bought, we were at a mountain lodge where they have like, they're it's like a bit fancier and you can actually like buy a, din- buy dinners there, go to a restaurant. Um, so I decided that I was going to, out of my own pocket, treat the whole group. This is maybe, this is after the big argument. Um to like a nice dinner and kind of try and up the morale. We had, I had what I didn't realize were some issues earlier on in the day. So all that happened was um, we had the dinner. There was a long conversation in French afterwards um, between the two. And then they real I started realizing like, oh, this is not a good, this is not a happy conversation. There's something wrong. Um, yeah. And then, so, you know, 40 minutes after they were done talking, uh, they told us that, I don't know, we had done something wrong again. So, because <laughs> uh, okay. I didn't, because I, I, which which I, I stand my ground. I, I actually, I didn't. I don't feel like we did, but whatever it had. What did they, can I, can I pry? Um, so there's one scene where, we had skied down from the tallest peaks in Sweden. Yeah. And this, uh, in this shoot and they, you only show me skiing and it's, it's shit snow. I kind of like stumble at one point in the beginning. Um, and, and then keep skiing and I'm just like, Oh God, this is such, it's so, I actually was going to say, I remember you saying this. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, it was really shitty conditions. Um, and, but, that's all it was it wasn't like I wasn't scared or anything and I remember when Raina came down I was so relieved because I was like oh good you looked like shit too uh (laughs) like nobody could see it well uh but then I kind of realized and and we didn't have the radio the guys and I and I thought it was pretty obvious that it was bad because there I thought there was no way that they couldn't hear my skis chattering (laughs) on on the on the snow um so when Aaron went down she really really struggled it took quite some time which I thought would have been another like indication like ah it's not so great um and then the Martin especially with all his camera gear he he really struggled so when Benj got down apparently I was supposed to stop mid-run and yell up to say it's not good but you never do when you're ski filming unless it's like there's a it, it just like it wasn't a I don't know it wasn't scary it was just a bad ski run to me and Reina but to the others apparently it was scary so it's like maybe a, a, a bit different difficult for either of us to put ourselves in their in their shoes and think like oh this is something worth like worth the giving you guys a heads up on. I thought maybe like the fact that we didn't haul down it would have been an indication. Um, but in my mind, it was just like, it was just a bad, not, not enjoyable ski run, not really dangerous. I mean, yeah, there was a Berg's run at the bottom that you could technically fall into if you fell, but, um, and from viewing perspective, by the way, that it didn't look crazy. Like it, it just looked no. like shitty snow. <laughs> like yeah, it looked it was, like conditions. 
yeah and and so so i didn't i didn't think much of it and when i and i tried to kind of call up but i we had dish issues calling up because i didn't have a radio and and apparently i'd made a mistake by not stopping or whatever so it was it was uh, yeah use telekinesis and like or whatever <laughs> and like put your thoughts in his brain for that moment yeah okay understand yeah um yeah. yeah that sucks i i yeah i don't know uh, the last question i think i have on the <laughs> film itself um and then i have a couple questions about baby stuff and then i'll let you get out of here um but the last question i have is how did sponsors receive the film uh, that's my that's one of my biggest questions always is like okay when you presented this project to them completed were they just like this is great this is what we want like or how did they were they anxious about it like what's and, and did they even see a cut before their name was on it yeah so i think um kind of 50 50 uh okay. one sponsor in particular was pretty anxious because i was like good friends with the team manager and <clears throat> and i was very honest I basically I spoke to him more as a friend uh, about the experience. So he was a little bit worried <laughs> after yeah. I spoke to him about like what was going to be portrayed. So, I mean, that's part of the reason why it was softened a bit uh, because they had kind of voice like, okay, we, we don't want it to be full on drama. Like it's about the exploration and getting out there and stuff. Um, so, but I think uh, when this like particular person watched it, he was like, "Oh, okay, it wasn't wasn't as bad. It wasn't as like dr much drama as he had anticipated." Um, some other sponsors they really appreciated, like really, really seemed to appreciate the honesty and everything of, about it, mm -hmm. um, and that it like that it tells a different story, or it's not a different story. It's just a story that doesn't often get told uh, on expeditions and stuff like that yeah uh and yeah and then there's there's some things that uh make it a little bit difficult like the the length of the movie um there are some questions as to whether it's too long um and that's hard because we struggled to tell the whole story but um I keep I keep going back and forth on that, but I, I didn't have really that much say. That was the more the production guys that that kind of had had the final say on that. So I think in in general, um, the sponsors, yeah, the sponsors seemed to like it. We had some come to some of the premieres, like some of the smaller sponsors and everything, and for them to be able to be in the crowd and see like the audience's responses and everything was was really nice as well because uh, we got a lot of good response especially in like the Swedish crowds people really seem to to appreciate the movie so it was nice yeah yeah I and I, I thought it was great I didn't think the length was a problem at all that's good to know um, I think you just feel well I, I guess it's just you have to be ready to sit down and watch it like I said I watched yeah. it, I watched it once like bell to bell and then I watched like specific scenes over right like yeah. that's usually like if I'm talking to somebody about 
a film or whatever that's usually how my bit is is like you watch the whole thing and then you kind of go through and then you're like okay here here's the parts that kind of stand out and i think the benefit of it being on youtube is that people get to go and do that and they get to go and like when they have an experience they get to go and go back to that and be like oh okay somebody else had this experience right and i bet a lot of the views that come on youtube and that come on like wherever it's posted is from that right is like people yeah. re-watching because like that's a new view i guess like that's you're like re-watching a segment because it spoke to you and i think there's a lot of those segments in the film and uh, i thought that part was really cool and i i guess my only thing is i wish you i wish you felt better about it um like i really that that's the only thing that i ended with is like and reina said the same thing it was like i wish you left feeling like it was what you wanted out of it i guess right but i guess that's that's kind of life yeah yeah i mean it's it's i took i think the best thing that i took away from that whole trip was the fact that reina went from having done maybe three nights of winter camping to now this month long expedition mm -hmm. and he's more interested in doing more of it. That's um, cool. Yeah. So for me, that was, that was kind of a win because before it was always kind of a little bit like pulling teeth to get him interested in the, these kinds of things. So. Um, how, although, solid is, how solid is his English, by the way? It's, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'd like to have him on the show, but I've always been like, until like I watched this, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I can't have him on the show. I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah. So I'd like to have him on. So um, you can extend that invitation um, if you want at some point. Um, but yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to chat with him. Um, yeah, I'll definitely let him know. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about uh, is baby stuff. Uh, how do you think your life is going to change? How anxious are you? Uh, what is what's the story and like what how as an athlete are you planning on dealing with being an athlete because obviously being a mom comes first and then everything else comes second so how are you gonna manage that have you thought about obviously you've thought about that especially if you're telling me you're bored before we get on this like clearly there's been some time to <laughs> um what what are your thoughts how do you feel like what's the what's the the delivery or the due date i guess is always weird to call it a due date for me um is saturday um like what how do you feel um i oh yeah well, <laughs> yeah like i said i'm i'm officially not one of those women that loves being pregnant that's that's for sure um i'm grateful that we were able to get pregnant especially since brain and i are both nearing 40 uh next month for me <laughs> so the, this little guy will pop out right before then um so for on that point like we're we're very fortunate that um things have gone really smoothly um but i always thought that i would kind of enjoy it in the sense that I wouldn't feel like I would have to like push myself like that I would get this little like break from wanting to get out there and and like ski aggressively or bike or yeah just really 
get after it and it makes me want to ski <laughs> more and bike more and like it it's like the opposite um it's kind of driving me crazy like I had one friend the other day he's like oh but it's great you can you know like we'll go out in the mountain and you can like cross-country ski and maybe like have the sled behind you and everything and just enjoy the outdoors and like yeah that's great I've been doing a bit of that right now but I really want to like go skiing like I remember it <laughs> like mm. it used to be beforehand um so that part's been been hard like I, I'm almost like I could it's taking of course a bit of risk like I could go up on the hill now and go skiing but it's like uh it's not very exciting for me to go skiing right now other than like it's nice to get out in fresh air but the skiing is is not fun <laughs> it's no, like it's I'm, not what you want to do no I'm on the groomers I'm having to be very careful I feel like I have something between my legs it, yeah it's just not great um so the prank yeah I'm really excited I hope this kid like I'm kind of bummed that I didn't go into labor during this podcast to be honest <laughs> honestly like low-key same kind of like <laughs> I was like in my head I'm like if I keep pushing this maybe <laughs> I know like uh I'm just like waiting for it to happened we got like i was so convinced he was gonna come early and now i'm like he's not gonna come he's gonna be late it's gonna <laughs> oh, he's not coming out um <laughs> so and then yeah what happens afterwards because it's weird because i'm excited to obviously meet meet the kid but it's i'm still like weeks month i don't know six weeks away from like really getting able to like get out and try and ski or like I don't know yeah. I don't know what the recovery or anything like that will look like and then just the fact that well we have a kid like yeah we've Your got two dogs now but yeah, yeah Raina and I are not going to be able to go skiing together without a babysitter and certainly not so much in the beginning now yeah so I'm like looking forward to this kid to come out but I have no idea like I think we're pretty naive, both Raina and I, of what the future is going to look like. Um, and we're, we're hoping, <laughs> we're hoping that we're like 50% correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and that we get like a relatively easy kid that is healthy and I don't know, likes to sleep. Uh <laughs> likes to like ride in the in the back of a sled or something and uh likes the outdoors and stuff like that like um but i like i'm i'm working out like we're we're talking a bit about like what next year is going to look like and there's a lot of questions up in the air because we're both like my intention i'm not intending to stop um skiing and nor is he so it's just finding a way um to balance it so that we can both do it um and raise a kid uh and i i'm not entirely sure what that's gonna look like uh 
I mean, I have no idea what it's going to look like. And I've seen like so many different friends that are super cautious and others that are a bit more relaxed. And we both hope that we're more on the relaxed side of things where we're not super stressed, um, which I think would make like trying to continue as athletes easier. But we won't really know until until the kid is there, like how we're going to react. So um, the, the goal is to continue uh, working on a project for next year uh, with a friend of mine. So we could, well, more details later. Uh, the N words of more detail. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the next year's conversation. Uh, a bit more lighthearted. The idea is that it's going to be fun <laughs> and funny. You guys are going to go play in the ball pit with your kids. Like, and that's going to be the, that's going to be the movie. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I always wonder how athletes deal with it. And I like, I've talked to a few people recently about this and I, everybody's answer is kind of like the same. And I can't remember. I, I know I talked to Cody about it and his answer was like a very Cody answer. It's like, Oh, we're, we're going to make it work. <laughs> like this kid is great and we're gonna make it work and uh elise and i are gonna like switch and like someday she's gonna rip and some days i'm gonna rip and that's gonna be the story like and that's like that's just how it is and then sometimes seldom we'll get out together and i forget who it was that i was talking about too with this and but i i don't know but i think everybody kind of has a different plan in their head and then i think the plan just kind of ends up making itself yeah yeah, I mean, I, I'm Elise is one of my best friends, and it's been nice to see like their journey. Um, and it's like we're we're all really excited that our kids are going to be like pretty close in age. Uh, so they're they're, they're like my guinea pigs. <laughs> what? You guys are going to develop a squad of like little yeah. mini members. <laughs> It'll be, it'll be, it'll be great. She's, she's already mentioned that, that Indy is going to come over to Sweden at some point when he's older. Uh, so we'll have, we'll have our little guy send him over to Tahoe. No, I mean, it's, it's a, I, I think Cody and Elise, especially like they're the closest that I can relate to as far as like to, they're both professional skiers and then, yeah very you know not exact but very similar to Raina and I so I'm so grateful to be able to like watch their journey and of course ours is gonna not look exactly like theirs right. um, but we have we have the same kind of general plan and, and and I think a lot of it it really just depends on like what kind of like how our kid is doing like there's so many For sure. unknowns that we can't anticipate um and then yeah of course the kid the kid is first um but we we would like life to not continue as we know it but you know not completely stop (laughs) as uh as it is these days but we've been so spoiled so it's going to be a rude awakening i think yeah i think it'll be an experience and i'm excited to hear about it i'm excited it and uh i'm excited to see him i mean this will be cool um yeah well i wish you the best of luck i think it's uh 
I think is an amazing thing. And I think continuing your career after that is going to be a total, I think it's like the start of a new career. I, yeah. I, I really do. I think that's a that's one way to look at it. And I think that's uh, I think it's really, really cool. Um, what? Okay. I think we should wrap this thing up, let you go. I, I realize I've, I've extended this longer than I said I would. And I also, um, I'm sad that you're not going into labor during this podcast. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's okay. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Where can people find your film? Where can people find anything they want to know about you or follow along? Um, website, Instagram, Twitter, I don't know, TikTok, the whole, the whole deal. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys can find me at Jackie Peso. So at Jackie Peso. It's two A's um, for pretty much, yeah. Uh, Instagram, Facebook. I've opened TikTok, but I haven't actually gotten as far as I got. Well, I've downloaded it to my app. That's as far as I've gotten to my phone. I've downloaded the app. Yeah. <sighs> it feels like I'm so old for TikTok. Uh- <laughs> You're not. There's way older people on TikTok for sure like it is like that's half of my feed is old people telling me how to cook so okay all right well okay maybe i'll move to the next level and actually set up an account it will be jackie peso same same uh the movie you can find on scott's uh scott sports uh youtube channel okay and uh yeah i mean i feel like that's it's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't thank, thank you for doing this as always, Jackie. Like this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. And uh, you are not the only one that's sorry that I did not go into labor. Uh, <laughs> really want you can come out now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with, um, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, thank you, Jackie. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, have a great day. Thanks for having me. This episode is sponsored by Sierra Nevada Brewing. Sierra Nevada is the spot um, to get your all of your beer needs, uh, whether it's non-alcoholic um, in their new hop water, whether it's a kombucha. They have this incredible kombucha strange thing. Um, and they also have obviously a full line of IPAs and just all kinds of different beer. So drink Sierra Nevada, um, go and check them out at SierraNevada.com. Um, obviously we'll have a link in the show notes and thank you again to Sierra Nevada for, oh, and check out their new powder day IPA. That's a, uh, that's a good one. That's a gem. So go to SierraNevada.com, find out where you can buy it or go to your local liquor store, go to your local spot and get yourself some Sierra Nevada beer. Thanks, and uh, here's Adam Miller. Um, Adam, tell people who you are. Tell people a little bit about yourself, what you do, obviously Rebel, why, the whole, give them the whole bit, and then we'll go from there. Cool. Hi, Adam. Uh, I am also Adam Miller. I <laughs> am the founder and owner of Rebel Bikes and Y Cycles. We're based out in Carbondale, Colorado, and we make uh, titanium adventure gravel bikes under the Y Cycles brand name and carbon fiber full suspension mountain bikes, and very recently carbon gravel bikes under the Rebel Bikes name. 
Um, maybe obvious question right off the bat. Any interest in doing aluminum price point bikes uh, sooner than later? I'd say we have interest in doing just about everything related to bikes that we ourselves want to ride. And mm. I want to ride just about all the bikes out there. Uh, one thing at a time where a couple of years ago, we were six people in a warehouse here when we launched the Rebel brand in 2019. Now yep. we're 26 people. So we're growing quite a bit, but in the big scheme of things, we're still a very small company. So one step at a time, but I like making bikes. Yeah. And the bikes are amazing for people that aren't familiar. Like I have one, Adam X has one trying to get Ethan on one. Like the whole crew is, uh, is on these things. They're, they're rad. It's a ton of fun. They're like, they're burly, all purpose, do whatever you want bikes. And for me, it's like, I, I ride a rascal. Adam X rides a rascal. Um, and it makes a lot of sense for the area that we're at, but you guys have a new bike launching. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what that is and who that's kind of geared for. Yeah, well, and I'm stoked you guys ride the Rascal. I'm super stoked for you to try this new bike out that we've been working on for actually a really long time, I realized this morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we started working on this bike actually about six months before we launched the whole Rebel brand. So it's been about three and a half years in the in the works. Um, okay. It is called the Rail 2.9. It's a long travel 29er. Uh, it's kind of the bike that since we launched, we all wanted. And also everybody asked us incessantly when we would have that bike. And we kind of knew we were working on it. But for three and a half years, kind of had to keep our mouth shut and say, oh, yeah, maybe someday. <laughs> we'll have yeah, one of those. Right. That day is coming up here. And and I think uh, on, on Wednesday, we're going to announce it publicly. So super amazing. Um, what who is that bike geared towards? What are we talking suspension wise? Um, who has been asking for that kind of thing? Because I think everybody has ev all the major mountain bike brands have a travel 29er, but it seems like it's a difficult thing for people to dial in and make ride well. So I guess it's a multifaceted question here, but it's who is it geared towards? How did you guys do it well? And yeah, I mean, what's, what's the actual spec on it? Cool. I'll, I'll try to keep track of that question as best I can. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> uh, so, so the, the special thing, one of the special things we do with Rebel Bikes is our suspension system. So we are the only company making carbon bikes that use the uh, Canfield balance formula patented suspension system. So CBF for short. So Chris Canfield and I go way back. Fantastic guy. He invented the suspension platform that I believe is just truly hands down the best suspension system for a mountain bike. I was kind of shopping around for a suspension platform, you know, looking at some of the other main ones out there in the marketplace to use to create this mountain bike brand that I had kind of been dreaming about for a long time. Um, but I didn't want to just kind of do the same thing other brands were doing. So someone told me to go ride a Canfield bike. This is back in like 2014 or 2015. And I, and I pedaled one and literally pedaled it like a hundred yards in the parking lot um, at a demo event in Boot Lake Canyon outside of Vegas. And I was like, holy shit, this is the best pedaling bike and it just feels awesome all around. This is the suspension system I want to, I want to use. So I went and talked to Chris Canfield and he was like, hell yeah, let's work together. Let's in. And we just kind of started working together immediately after that. Um, my idea was to take his amazing patented suspension system and design our own high-end carbon, slightly more mainstream uh, bikes sort of that we wanted using their system. So um, what's really exciting about the Rail 2.9, this brand new bike is we've now made three other full suspension mountain bikes and like 10 other hardtails with our Wide Cycles brand. Um, so we have a lot more experience now, um, both on bike uh, development, but also on the suspension side of things. So when we worked with Chris Canfield on this, kind of what we wanted was to make a bike that um, 
stood out in the like pedaling performance category, as well as all the really, you know, keeping all the really good things about that CBF suspension system. So it's, this is 155 millimeters of rear travel with the 160 front fork with the option to go for 170 fork. So it's a, mm -hmm. it's a long travel enduro style bike. Um, but where we live, it's super hilly out here in Colorado, um, where most people ride mountain bikes, you end up going up, spend more time pedaling uphill than, than you do, you know, flying downhill. So pedaling efficiency was really important. And this version of CBF on this bike is absolutely mind blowing when it comes to how quick it goes uphill. And then it keeps all the awesome characteristics with downhill braking performance, traction, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's always been a difficult category for people to kind of narrow in. Like, I mean, Santa Cruz does a good job at theirs pivot. I think did an okay job at theirs and like, but I still, to this day, like we have some in the shop that I'm like, this kind of rides like shit, like this long, like, uh niner wufo for example like i think that bike pedals like absolute garbage like it, it for that and that's the big thing is right that bike rides really well downhill but when you have to pedal uphill it, it's like almost worthless like i'd almost rather push it a lot of times and i guess that's that's got to be one of the hard things to figure out in that category is like how do you make it rideable and have that much travel yeah and like there's a lot of really good bikes out now the last few years a lot of brands have been making just awesome dial bikes especially in this category uh but that definitely was not the case you know even five years ago or more most of the bikes were not very good like this For combination sure. of really big heavy wheels 29er wheels instead of 27.5 and you know heavy rotating resistance on the tires um geometry that wasn't quite dialed and then suspension kinematics like that formula was not figured out you know five six seven eight years ago it's gotten much closer and it's kind of the quintessential enduro bike, you know, uh, longer, long travel 29 is, is the bike that most, I mean, we get asked about it 10 times a day. Like we get DMs or emails. <laughs> hey, when are you coming out this bike? Like it's like everybody wants, cause you can get shreddy on it. You can do all day right. long rides in the, you know, above tree line. Um, but I can't stand bikes that don't pedal. Well, I come from a, a racer background. I kind of tried to be a pro mountain bike racer. In my early years of college and when i realized i wasn't really fast enough for that i decided to get into the business side of, of the bike industry <laughs> instead um, but because of that like i don't have all that same natural talent a lot of the people i was racing against had so i want to make a bike that really you know helps out i like going fast and competitive yeah. it's fun to go uphill it's fun to go downhill so designing a bike with you know that in mind of let's let's make sure this thing can pedal uphill the downhill part's almost almost easy the cbf system is like right it, it, it just the, when you grab your brakes it doesn't affect the suspension system at all um so the downhill performance is just incredible uh the leverage curve i think is dialed you can run a bunch of coil shocks on this bike downhill performance is like a no-brainer it rides so good but that uphill thing is what i'm think is going to really set this bike apart from some other ones out there and is that what you want to see most people run as a as a shock is like running a coil shock on those bikes you know, not most people, I'd say it's totally, that's going to be like an aftermarket option. We'll have a push coil option in the future, um, yeah. but it's specced with a RockShox or Fox AirShock. Uh, and then if you want to get a coil, you can, you know, people can do that on, on their own. On my personal bike, I'm going to run a coil because there's nothing like a push coil. I like the way it feels a lot. Personally, I'm spoiled now. Like I have that push 11.6 or whatever on my, uh, yeah. it's like, dude, I'm never going to get anything else like it just feels so good it's it's bizarre because i really thought that it was hype until i got dude it's unfair 
I put a sample on <laughs> one of my bikes a couple of years ago and I was like, oh shit, I, I need this on every single one of my bikes and I can't yeah. go back. It's like a lot of things in the bike world, even a lot of, you know, some of the products we sell, we, we really try to make a point to only sell stuff that we ride ourselves and that we think is good. Right. There's some things you can spend money on or upgrading your bike where I'm like, you know what? Most people aren't going to notice a big difference. If you want to spend that extra money, good for you. Bikes are cool. New fancy stuff is really cool, but some things right. really like, let's be honest, you're not going to get a massive performance difference out of but that push coil shock i mean holy shit i think we do it's i think it's a 900 upgrade yeah um, don't quote me on that it is worth every penny like that it's thing crazy. <laughs> it's crazy okay i'm telling you like and i'll tell you firsthand like i i really was like am i really putting that like am i spending an extra 900 bucks or whatever i spent on it and i at first was like i wanted i went in wanting to not like it like i want yeah. i went in wanting to be upset that i spent the money on it and i left like i will never uh, this is what i'm i'm stuck here like i wanted on everything i could not agree more i was skeptical of spending that much money on a coil and now when i go into my basement i have like the most <laughs> collection of bikes of all time and they each have a, a push coil on there <laughs> kind of yeah. tell myself that's why i decided to start a bike company because i can never afford to have that many bikes with perfect build kits on them and i was just gonna ask you are you a uh, are you a hoarder are you a bike hoarder you know, I, I'm actually not. Um, I go back and forth, though. I get really attached to certain bikes. And just yesterday, I was talking to some people here in the in the shop because we were talking about selling some of like, my old bikes, you know, as we to make room in our demo fleet for new ones. Right. A lot of my personal bikes are also demo bikes. Yeah, um, and it reminded me of a few years ago. It was back in 2018 before I launched Rebels. We were just selling the Y-Cycles products. It was myself and two or three employees at the time. And like any old business, we had one of those moments where we were running out of money, um, which I've had a few of those in the several years ago. Uh, <laughs> and so I decided, well, it's time to sell some personal bikes. And I had a Y-Cycles R Plus, our titanium bike. Um, and I had, had it built up since 2016. It was serial number 001. It was my favorite bike. <laughs> and I sold it because we were running low on cash and business is growing and all that stuff. And I realized, you know what? I should probably be more of a hoarder and do whatever I can to hold on to those bikes. If I ever find that bike again, I'll pay someone like twice as much as what I sold it to. For it. I was just going to ask that. Yeah. Like you have to, I have stuff like that that I've sold off like 10 years ago or whatever that I was like, like, why did I do that? Yep. It's, uh, the time, it's the only option, but you know, what are you, what are you going to do No, But I like, I, I, I have one of each of our bikes right now, which at this point is getting kind of obnoxious because between the two brands, we, we have like 10 models and that's, that's, that's a lot of bikes. I don't have enough room in my house for that many bikes. Yeah, you need a new house for the new bike. Like it's just at that point, that's when you know you have a problem, I guess. Um, problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good problem to have, I guess, if you have that ability to have that many bikes, and that's uh, that's amazing and good for you. And honestly, there's people that don't own bike companies that have that many bikes. So right, that's uh, it is what it is. Um, can I ask you about the gravel bike? Cause we, I'm, since the last time we talked, you guys have launched a carbon gravel bike. What's the story there? Why did you feel like you guys needed one? Hold yeah. On. Gravel bikes are freaking fun. Like it's true. It's odd. they're kind of a popular item right now in the bike world. There's all sorts of new gravel events coming up. Um, we, built a gravel bike for Y cycles back in 2016. It actually got on the cover of like road bike action magazine in 2017. It was the biggest publicity I'd had uh, for that brand. It, it was a, it is a really dialed bike. We're now in version four of that, the R plus V4. So it's a titanium gravel bike uh, with rack mounts and extra bottle mounts. Um, it's got really dialed geometry. We did some pretty neat things with the geo back in 2016. 
um, <laughs> in terms of kind of like almost applying like modern mountain bike geo to gravel bikes, but we didn't really talk it up that much because we were a super small brand. So it had kind of slacker uh, head angle, longer reach. Uh, there's way less toe overlap on that bike, which is an issue with some other gravel bikes that kind of keep road geometry. The wheelbase is super narrow. So when right. you turn the handlebars, your toes can hit the tire. Um, and also with that more road bike geometry, the bikes are a lot less capable on single track. And the crazy thing about these gravel bikes is you can rip them on a lot of single track trails. Um, so they're just like a super fun bike all around. So with the Y cycles product, we kind of decided to get a little more modern back in 2016 when we were developing it and people freaking loved it. Um, and so it's kind of always in the back of our minds that we'd make a carbon one too, just cause there's a time and a place for a titanium gravel bike and there's a time and a place for a carbon gravel bike. And that's kind of the one product I could say that different material each is awesome in its own very different way. Like right. titanium is super comfortable and super durable. Uh, it's going to last forever. If you put a bunch of bags and gear and stuff on that bike, you know, you don't have to worry about scuffing it up. Uh, you can crash it in a rock garden and it's titanium. So who cares if you get a little dent in it? So titanium is really cool, but at the end of the day, it's significantly heavier than carbon. Um, you can't do as much with lateral stiffness um, as you can with carbon um, or with vertical compliance, although our tie bike's really quite comfortable vertically. Uh, but carbon has this really like damped, quiet ride feel to it if you do it right. And then at the same time, you can shape the tubes and use different types of carbon to make it crazy stiff laterally. So when you're sprinting you know, across the finish line or, or railing around a corner, a nice stiff frame is it, pretty cool. So titanium better for like adventure longer distance type gravel riding carbon generally better for you know snappier faster maybe race oriented sort of stuff there's some overlap you know depending on the person and the riding style and where you are but there's some pretty neat benefits to both so i think it was a year and a half ago we said you know what we've been wanting to make this carbon bike in the back of our minds for like three years now let's just go do it and we did um <laughs> And that bike is sweet. We basically used everything we learned from the geometry in our titanium gravel bike and applied it to this carbon bike, um, which does make it stand out a bit from some other bikes. I'd like to say it's not like this crazy, you know, gravel bike just for mountain bikers with like a 62 degree head angle or, you know, uh, right. but it's also not like a crazy, you know, cyclocross or, you know, one hour gravel race only bike. It kind of fits a nice spot right in the middle of that, which I think is going to apply to a wide range of, of, of riders and, and the geometry is just freaking dialed on that thing. It, it's super comfortable. It's super fast. It feels great. Can you kind of explain the difference? Cause I think this is a common question that people have and don't really understand and, and, and people don't give often enough a good answer to it. Can you explain to people what the difference is between a cross bike and a gravel bike? Like what, like, <laughs> because I don't, I, I really, I get this, this question asked all the time and every time I'm like, okay, like there's a few good reasons. And then to the, to most customers they are like, I don't get it, you know? So maybe you can give a better explanation than I can. So, you know, every day I feel so ridiculously lucky to have the job that I have and to work with people that I do. <laughs> I get to make bikes for a living. I get to come into work with 26 other like freaking bike nuts and everybody here loves bikes. And we live in a small town in Colorado where we can like ride bikes across the street and go fishing in a blue ribbon trout stream like 200 yards away. We have a company raft like, oh my God, I feel so lucky that I get to make bikes and somehow it's working out to be like a semi-legitimate sort of career. I still wear flip-flops to work most days, but like really cool. Bike industry is such a great place. You get to travel all over the world to go to these trade shows and events and meet other like bike bike nuts like myself. And um, 
the bike industry is amazing. But sometimes the bike industry does. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I knew this was coming. Like this, like where they come up with something called a gravel bike that's really not very much different than a cyclocross bike. And everybody is confused, even myself. And I like to think I've been like really involved in the cyclocross and gravel scene for, for a long time. Like I did all these like USGPs and race collegiate nationals for cyclocross. Like yeah, cyclocross is great. I know a lot about this and I don't think I have a very good answer for what the actual agreed upon difference is between a gravel bike and a cyclocross bike. There's certainly, you know, every bike we design is for a purpose. So if you think about someone who's going to go do a 45 minute race plus two laps through a muddy field and, you know, sh shoulder their bike, toss on their shoulder, run up and down a hill, you're going to design a, a bike that looks kind of like a road bike with bigger tires. And it's going to be designed a little bit differently. And then if you think about someone who's going to go do, you know, like unbound gravel or one of these 200 mile gravel bike races, you're going to design a bike a bit differently. Besides that, there's not very many tangible differences that I've figured out between a gravel bike and a cyclocross bike. But I think you decide what are you going to use the bike for, and you go to a bike company that's made a bike for that reason, and I bet you're going to be really happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's good. I've, like, I try to, like, simplify it for people, and I'm like, okay, like, tire clearance. That's that's the big, like, that's the difference. And, like, it's yeah. it's true sometimes. It's not true other times. Like, it's just, like, it's one of those areas where I feel like cyclocross was kind of ahead of its time almost and gravel bikes just didn't come people didn't understand what they were and i initially was kind of a hater like when gravel bikes came out like a few years ago when they were pushing it i'm like why do i need this like i have a road bike and like if stuff is sketchy i still ride my road bike if it's like that sketchy i ride my mountain bike what do i need a gravel bike for and i think there's a lot of people still kind of like hanging out in that camp but once you ride a gravel bike like in vermont or in colorado and like you hit these dirt roads for hours and hours and hours and you're like this this is why i have a gravel bike right and honestly all last summer all i did was ride, i rode my gravel bike way more than i rode my mountain bike because like you get a beefy enough tire on that thing that is your mountain bike <laughs> like it yeah. basically is an all-purpose bike and, and then at the same time they're super they're super capable they're way lighter and faster so you can cover way more ground i mean i haven't totally. ridden gravel bikes in vermont but i think it's pretty similar to here where there's just dirt roads everywhere and as soon as you have a bike made for that, you end up taking advantage of that. And it's a way to explore these places you would never go otherwise. I, I was in the same boat where I was kind of a hater. I was like, I have the second cross bike. Right. Why are there bikes called gravel bikes that, okay, they can fit a tire that's, you know, a couple millimeters wider. Like, what's the difference? Um, and, and there is a difference. The geometry is different. Uh, the tire clearance, if you get the right bike, is certainly different. Um, but I think there's a lot of blending between the two. And that's something we try to do with our bike is not say this is a bike made just for this. And if you want to go race a cyclocross bike or a cyclocross race, you better get another bike. Um, yeah. Like we made like an ovalized flattened shape on the bottom of the top tube on our bike so that you can toss it on your shoulder with some more comfort. Right. You're going to go do a gravel bike race. We also made it have clearance. I think it has the best clearance of any bike out of any similar style gravel bike out there. You can fit over 50 C tires with a ton of room for mud, or you can do 27, five by two, two. Uh, so, it, and at the same time, you can fit a really big 48 or 50 tooth chainring on there. So it, I, I like to think our gravel bike is extremely versatile in the sense that you can build it up. If you want to do some cross races, great. If you're a world cup cyclocross racer, you should probably get a little more specific cross cross bike. If you're someone like me, who's going to do one or two cross races a summer, just kind of for fun, this bike's going to hold its own. It's going to be awesome. It's going to feel great. If you want to put, you know, two inch tires on there, so, you know, and put a bunch of gear on there so you can ride for two weeks without stopping, the bike's going to work fine for you too. So 
I, we kind of designed it with a lot of that in mind of like, what is the difference between all these different styles of bikes and trying to make yeah. a bike that with some modification, if people want to modify it from the stock spec, it's going to be able to do quite a bit more than. than yeah. And I will say like, personally, like gravel bikes for me have been like, and you can have anybody listening from my shop right now will attest to this. It's like, I change out my gravel setup more than probably anybody ever. Like, because you can't like, there's sometimes when I'm running that, like, what's the name of that company that, that redshift stem I'll run that sometimes like the bouncy stem you seen those oh yeah yeah they're ridiculous like so <laughs> they're they're like these little suspension stems and sometimes i'll run that and then sometimes i'll run completely rigid and i'll like you know run a slightly longer stem setup and i'll run you know a 29 by 2 tire or i'll run a, you know 700 by 28 like it's, it's just you it's can set up whatever you want and that's what's great about it yeah yeah and especially it kind of makes designing like group sets right yeah, you can just like it helps you like get out and try different types of riding and maybe you build your gravel bike up to ride a bunch of smooth single track or maybe you build it up to go do like a, you know, road ride with some gravel like it just it's half the fun is kind of tinkering with the bikes you own and seeing seeing what that does, you know, and and, and what you can see out in, out in the mountains when you, when you pedal further out. For sure. Um, okay, enough bike specific talk. I kind of want to talk about like growing pains for you guys. I kind of want to talk about like the bike industry as a whole. Like last year was a shit show. Um, we know this. Everybody that went in and tried to buy a bike uh, from any company uh, found this out. Um, what what was that like for you guys? Talk to me about where that put you guys like in terms of like a position as a brand. Um, like because we talked in, I don't know, uh, September or whatever. And you were like, yeah, we're sold out of bikes. Like we don't have bikes. Like I can try to get you a bike, but like there's no bikes basically. So what is, what is that feeling like? What do you do in that situation as a company? Well, I'm proud to say that since we talked back then, we got both you and Adam X on, on some rascals. So we are, we are getting bikes on the tour, but significantly slower than expected. Uh, we are learning so much every day you know some days i feel like ah oh, it's all over and everything's great and you know life's gonna get back to normal and other days i think oh my god we thought it was terrible and now it's just gonna yeah. get worse uh so it sure keeps things exciting around here i i feel some days actually very often over the last you know year um i feel more like we own a logistics company instead of a, a bicycle company sure. uh, i didn't quite expect to learn as much as i have about global shipping and supply chain challenges but it's been pretty neat so uh yeah without saying the same thing everybody else has said i mean everything in the world is hard to get right now and everything's unpredictable and prices are going up and shipping's taking longer and you know that's just kind of the new the new normal that we're dealing with for us i feel just extremely lucky that we've launched our brand when we did uh when we launched back in march of 2019 so actually we're celebrating our third birthday here in a week at the sedona bike fest hey. so, we're gonna have a cake. If you're in Sedona, come to the Sundowner Bar. It's, <laughs> it's the best dive bar in the country, I might say. And so we'll have a third birthday celebration there. Um, <laughs> we basically, we had a, a whole year before the pandemic hit to kind of get our name out there, get bikes out the door. And back then we were dealing with, you know, we could order more suspension forks or tires or wheels and get them here in about 30 to 45 days. Today, we can order more brakes or wheels and get them here in anywhere between 500 and 800 days. And so all of a sudden for our like, you know, young company that at the time in 2019 we had seven people, then I think we had like 12 people in 2020 and now we have like 26, like we, we have 
been forced to grow up by like 10 years in this, you know, short period of time. Right. We got a fancy new software system that when I first saw the price tag, I was like, oh my God, I can buy like a really nice car for that price. You know, and I thought, why would we spend so much money just on this like ERP inventory system? It turns out it's the best thing we ever did. Like, like we invested in all this technology. We hired several more people who are way smarter than I am when it comes to like production planning and inventory planning. Mm -hmm. And so the, the crew we have here now, um, we have three people whose full-time job it is just to figure out how to buy stuff and ship things and plan for that and communicate that to the rest of the company. They have done such an incredibly good job with going from the small startup company of a few people to dealing with like, this global pandemic where lead times went from 30 days to, to 300 days to 600 days or more. And yet we're still shipping, um, I mean, we're shipping a lot of bikes out. We're shipping far more than I ever expected we would be shipping. Um, it's not enough. Our demand is still higher. Uh, we still have people upset and waiting on bikes, uh, but our capacity is about triple what it was last year. And we're FedEx truck gets full every day at three o'clock. And I'm pretty happy with that at least. Yeah. Yeah. That, and honestly, like that's, that's good to hear. I mean, that's good news. I think across the board, you're starting to see stuff show up more. Um, inventory start to come back. I guess my next question is kind of like a gloom and doom question. And that is like, do you think there's a bubble that is going to burst in terms of mountain biking, right? Because so many people got into mountain biking. So many people bought new bikes. So many people decided that this was the sport for them during the pandemic coming out of it. And now that we're starting to see product kind of catch up and become more available, is there a worry for you that there is going to be like a shutoff valve? So I look at this stuff and I think about this stuff way too much and stay awake at night thinking about these sorts of questions. Uh, and there's all sorts of data and industry reports and, you know, tariff data and here's the numbers of all this yeah. stuff that's happening. Um, and there's, there's people way smarter than I am when it comes to analyzing data that have their predictions on everything. But I usually go with kind of trusting my gut. And if I put myself in the shoes of, of, of a lot of people who, you know, get on a bike for the first time, it's, pretty damn addicting. I mean, all of us are in this industry because we started riding bikes and thought, wow, this is more fun than any other sport. Uh, and I think the best thing about the pandemic with all the terrible things that happened is it did force a lot of people to get outside. Um, it inspired more people to go do outdoors things. Uh, luckily, a whole lot of those people went and bought bicycles. A lot of them were at the lower end of the market. Some were at the higher end of the market. But my thought is even if you know 10% or 20% of those people that spent money on a new bicycle decide to stick with the sport, they're probably going to get more into it because look at all of us like how many of us bought one bike and just have one no we keep on buying bikes we keep trying new things we build our travel and our vacations around riding those bikes in different places and decide to sign up for a race just to experience something new and i think if even a small portion of those new riders that got into the sport during covid decide to stick with it and get even half as hooked as all the rest of us did it's going to be the best thing that happened to the sport of mountain biking there's gonna be more and more people out there it will probably you know benefit companies you know like mine where we sell more of the high-end products um, maybe, you know, cheaper bikes, um, you know, maybe there will be a little bit more of a boom and bust. It's hard to say, but I, I would like to think people maybe bought themselves a bike for 500 bucks or a thousand bucks and they get really into it and decide to upgrade and buy a nicer bike and next year buy a nicer bike. I think we're going to see a lot more users out there on the trails and I'm really excited for more and more trail building to happen so we can keep on enjoying those trails. Yeah, for sure. No, I kind of feel similar. I'm, I'm a little uh pessimistic i think because i run a bike store and we have bikes in stock but it's like this time last year i had bikes in stock too you know and nobody bought bikes because it was winter and nobody was thinking by bike by bike by bike and you're sitting on all this inventory and you're like okay like what if this is uh what if we don't sell any of it you know but then you move all of it 
and you're like, okay, cool. Like everything's fine. <laughs> so dude, I, I started working in a bike shop when I was 14. I'm 30 years old now. So I guess it's been 16 years of yeah. close to full time, you know, a little bit less during some school and stuff, but working in the bike industry and every single year, November and December and January sucked. And every single year from when I was 14 <laughs> until, until one month ago, I thought, oh my God, this sucks. Like no one's going to buy bikes. It's winter time. No one's going to buy all these bikes we have in stock. And every single year, 15 times in a row now, I've been surprised and people buy bikes again. It's just a time of year thing. It's winter. It's not bike season starting about now, March, April, May, things, things pick up. So I think people are going to yeah. put the skis away pretty soon and get right back into biking. Um, last question for you. What, what do you guys have for target goals for this year? Like, what do you have in your head? Is there something that you're looking to achieve in 2022 as a bike brand? Um, and it's not necessarily even numbers wise, like I'm not even really asking how many frames are you planning on selling? I'm more asking like, is there, is there something you have like up on a wall somewhere that you're like, okay, this is our goal for this year. I like that question. I mean, the real simple answer, and as cliche as it sounds, is we want to be the best bike brand out there. I truly believe we can do it. I think we have the product. I think we have the suspension system. I know we have the best team of people. I mean, we, the, the 26 people that work here in Carbondale every day are absolutely incredible. It's the most diehard, passionate group of people I've ever worked with, and I feel so lucky about that. I want to be the best mountain bike brand, and I want to do it in a whole lot less time than some other brands out there. That doesn't mean I want to be the biggest. I don't want to be this massive, crazy, huge company. Um, I want to, you know, have our company raft that we get to go fishing on after work whenever we feel like it, but I want to be the best. So that means getting customers super excited, taking care of people, you know, being as honest as we can about delivery dates. Uh, it's going to take us some time to be the best, but I, I want to just keep making progress and chipping away at that and, and get people really psyched on, on, on the bikes that we make. Is, is there a brand that you look at and you're like, okay, those guys are in a position that we would like to be in? There's two brands I really, re well, I respect all bike brands. It's hard to make a full suspension, not bike. And there's some really. It's hard to be a bike brand, period. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it takes a lot of work and there's some great bikes out there. Um, there's two brands that stand out. Ibis, I really like. Those guys have always been super nice. When I first launched Revel, I got a text from Scott Nickel that day saying congrats. And I thought that was just such a cool. class act. Uh, they're just a really good, nice company. Their bikes are phenomenal. Everything they do is great. What they're doing here with making stuff in the U.S. is really neat, too. Um, but also, when I look at Santa Cruz bikes, I really would, would you know, love to be similar to them on any level at some point. They've done a great job. Their product lineup is incredible. They make bikes for all types of mountain biking, and they do a really good job um, at, at all of those bikes. So, uh, yeah. I've got beef with them right now. I've got like eight hundred. They've like raised prices like eight hundred bucks. Like they're oh, like wow. their bikes are all the like they're all so tight. And, and don't get me wrong, like they're I think they're the shit too. Like they're obviously <laughs> they're doing a great job. It was just funny like when I got like a blanket email and it was like, oh yeah, all the bikes are going up like eight hundred dollars this year. So like that bike that cost you twenty five hundred last year is now thirty three. And I'm like, wow, like that's a lot, man. It's brutal. We we actually we've done two price increases and they were tough. Like it was one of the you know the more emotional conversations we've had in the, here in the building because obviously yeah. we're a business and we need to make money. But at the end of the day, like we're more to ride bikes <laughs> than anything, well, and it, it's tough to raise prices. And sometimes you have to. And and it's not. Can easy. you explain like from the from the brand side because and I get it, but 
explain from the brand side a little bit, just real quick, like why it had to happen um, for brands across the board, because everybody saw bikes go up in price. And like ev everybody that comes into a bike shop is like, oh, it's because everybody wants to buy bikes. You guys are just like raising. The it's like we're not raising the prices it's like it, it cost me two hundred dollars to ship a bike to Adam X the other day in New York, one like two states over, you know, so. It's crazy. Like shipping costs are expensive. Every everything has gotten more expensive, right? So that has to come out of somewhere. So uh, that's that's what how I look at it. Mm -hmm. How would you explain it to someone? I would say at least for our company, it has nothing to do with demand. We probably could have raised prices more, and we probably still could, and 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 we're not going to because I like to sleep well at night and be really yeah. proud of what we're doing. Um, and I know we waited quite a bit longer than we should have for our first price increase. But what we saw is, I mean, there was a period of a month or two in there about a year ago where we got emails probably once a week from all of our vendors, whether it's our frame manufacturers or you know SRAM, Shimano, Fox, RockShox, whatever. With these really nice letters you know really well written letters apologizing but letters saying hey our raw material for this one up our shipping for this one up you know our cost on these items has gone up by x amount therefore we need to raise your price by five percent or eight percent or thirteen percent or seventeen percent um right. and all those emails you know we had purchase orders in our in our system for a long time because we we're trying to plan ahead to buy you know say a hundred bike seats and then we got an email saying, hey, starting next week, everything we ship you is now 17% more expensive. We just ate it. I mean, for months, we just ate that difference. And at the end of the day, we still have to make enough money oh, to yeah. everybody. And we offer health care to all of our employees. And we want to keep doing better and better at, at, at all of that. And so what we did was we decided, okay, we have to do a price increase. So we read all the numbers and we said, it's, we did like an average 5.5% price increase um, at retail across all of our products. But what we said is we sent that email and said, if you have a bike on order with us, your price doesn't change, but starting in you know four months, your price will change. So we tried to say, hey, we got surprised with all these price increases that were happening with like two days notice. We're yeah. gonna try to let our dealers and our customers know we're increasing their price, but not for anything they've ordered already. And I think maybe that was too like hippy dippy, you know, friendly capitalism, but I'm still really happy we did it. I mean, we no, dude, that's fucking sick. I think that's, I think that's one of the best moves you guys could have made, like, because that's full transparency. It's like, otherwise everybody would have been sour, right? Yeah. And you know they would have been right and that's like that's business and some brands will do that but that's like that shows the kind of brand that you guys are building yeah we, we want to get people stoked for the long term i mean i'd be pissed if i bought a bike for six thousand dollars and i got an email saying actually you're gonna have to pay us sixty five hundred dollars i'd say you know hell, hell no <laughs> that's crazy yeah like, but yeah no it's it's ridiculous so yeah. So it's, um, it's not fun to have to raise prices, but we try to do it in the best way we possibly could. And, you know, if things get back to normal and prices come down, I'd love to lower the price of our bikes. I, I have no right. idea if that'll happen. Maybe that's like stupidly wishful thinking. But if our yeah. prices come down, we'll lower the price of our bikes if, we, if that's awesome. where it comes. Um, Adam, where can people find the bikes? Where can people find you on social? Where can people find all the information that they need? Uh, Rebelbikes.com. At Rebel Bikes on Instagram, Rebel Bikes on Facebook. It's pretty pretty easy there. Ycycles.com uh, at Ycycles on Instagram. I'm Adam.Miller907 on Instagram. So hit me up, follow us on Instagram, all that good stuff. We got a lot of pretty cool products in the works. We have this Rail 29 we're, we're launching now, and we have a lot more cool stuff. So stay tuned. I think you'll be excited. And I know we didn't talk much about why, but like that, there's like, there's some rad shit there. Like I've got that DJ and like, that is the most ridiculous thing that I own is uh, ridiculous. Is the right <laughs> um, but once again, thank you for the time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Adam. Super good to talk to you.
Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, I'm sorry I'm losing my voice. I'm realizing that more and more as I keep talking. Uh, the air is dry as fuck in Sun Valley, Idaho. Um, so I, I, there's not much I can do about that. A uh, few things uh, as we exit this episode. Uh, next week is the first week that we'll start filming, uh, hopefully, in the new studio. New studio is going to be insane. It is going to be uh, very focused on the YouTube aspect of it. Um, very, it's, it's going to change a lot of things, I think. Um, so we'll kind of start posting some progress pics as soon as I get back. Um, maybe even during the week this week. So keep in touch with that stuff. Um, thank you to Adam. Thank you to Jackie, um, for spending the time to talk to me on the show. Um, and thank you to all our sponsors. Thank you to Darn Tough. Thank you to Burn. And thank you to Sierra Nevada Brewing. I could not be more psyched to have these guys on board. Um, one, yeah, eh, I was going to address something that somebody said, and uh, I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it and not give, you know, the knuckleheads of the world, of the ski world, any oxygen. But um, I, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it alone. Anyway, uh, talk to you guys next week. See ya.